with Sonia Johnson from UCL, who many of you know. Sonia, hi, how are you doing? Hi, good, thank you. So we're at um, the Mental Health Carers dissemination event here in Manchester, and this is all about a digital intervention, the REACT toolkit. Um, and we were supposed to be having a digital workshop talking about the potential for digital interventions to support mental health carers, um, but nobody signed up for it. I know. I think... It is a sign of how far there maybe is to go to make people really kind of fall in love with digital in the NHS. That, as you say, we're here at this lovely event with lots of carers and some researchers and it's all about a digital intervention, but no one wants to talk to us about digital. Now, it's hard to get digital into the NHS. We know this. You cited Trish Greenhouse's NAS framework paper in your talk. Tell us a bit about some of the problems with adoption of digital. Well, uh, one thing is we can see for ourselves that in secondary services in particular, it really hasn't got that far at all. There are many potential tools. There are many apps. Electronic health records obviously have advanced considerably in the last decades and in fact mental health services are relatively good at electronic health records but I think as far as I can see and as far as the evidence I'm aware of shows the degree to which in people's day-to-day care we're using digital tools is extremely limited. So why that is, well I think There's not a huge literature on this, but there's enough to start to have some ideas. So Golna Arafadib, who works with me and Fiona Lobben and with the REACT team, who she worked on actually an MSc project that was published in Lancet Psychiatry on barriers to implementation and facilitating factors for implementation of digital in mental health. She found a a limited and in many ways not that sophisticated literature. Mostly people didn't actually use any kind of implementation theory in in writing about digital technologies. But it did have some perhaps not surprising but important findings, which were things like that widespread staff, service user and carer scepticism was an important barrier. And I think the issue of digital being seen as a competitor to real-life interaction is quite a big one. Lack of digital skills and rather complicated digital systems are another issue and it'll surprise no one that lack of dedicated staff time for making this work is also a big issue. Uh, I was saying earlier when I talked about this that if people read one thing on this I think they really ought to read Trish Greenhalgh's paper on her NAS framework which explains non-adoption and abandonment of technologies and they should read about what she says about complex technologies which are the kind of technologies that tend to be abandoned so complex technologies have characteristics like requiring quite a lot of change in systems quite a lot of change in staff practices being difficult to implement not being easy to sort of take apart and see what the components are that being 
difficult, complex or unpredictable to, to make use of. And she makes, I think, a very good argument that actually you can explain quite a lot of digital failures in terms of people having unduly complex interventions. But still, as you say, there's something about attitudes and values and trusting that digital isn't going to be a poor substitute for human beings that is causing people to stay away from digital like they have this afternoon. So what do we actually know from evidence about digital interventions that we should be implementing more in the NHS within mental health? Well, it must be said there are not a large number that have progressed beyond a sort of feasibility trial stage in any case. So actually that's another issue, that there aren't that many tools that have really gone through a full randomised controlled trial. There are things that we know people find acceptable, that we know people see as useful. I think there is a real question about whether or not everything needs a randomised controlled trial. I think there are tools that, if they're helping us do something we know is a good idea, like psychoeducation, if they're, if we know that they're acceptable to carers, that they're sufficiently secure, that using them hasn't caused any difficulties, then maybe we should be putting them into practice offering them to people without a trial but I think that is an important ambiguity I'm also quite interested in the idea that maybe we should trial things that are partly digital so for instance in an area like self-management there are some good digital tools some people like them some people don't but maybe actually what we need to do is do some studies looking at implementing self-management offering people a range of approaches, some digital, some not, and really seeing who wants what and what works for whom. And do you think we need to be learning from other areas of healthcare, you know, diabetes, asthma, other sort of um, physical health problems where the apps and the technologies are maybe a little bit further forward? Yes, definitely. I mean, I, I don't think that there's any area where it's all magic and digital is fully implemented but there are some very interesting experiences to learn from so for instance in self-management the diabetes 2 self-management tools developed by Elizabeth Murray and her colleagues at UCL so Elizabeth Murray is also a react study collaborator and and that has been shown to be effective and is currently having a national rollout led by NHS England. There is now some identified NHS England funding that can support national implementation of technology. So I think we should be looking at, with great interest, at, at something like that and at self-management to digital tools in for some other chronic illnesses that seem to be working. There are also areas where interesting innovations like serious games are starting to work. So, for instance, I understand in childhood cancer, people are making use of serious games 
to support people, to support young people in, in managing their illness. We, we certainly, I think, do need to look beyond mental health for interesting models and models that have been made to work, as I think we have been, actually. I think some of those models have been adopted, but I'm sure we could do more, as always. Yeah, absolutely. And coming back to your point about not necessarily needing an RCT to prove the safety and efficacy of interventions, digital interventions, how is that going to work, do you think, in terms of NICE and getting things actually into the NHS? I mean, I am a bit ambivalent about that point, to be honest. I, I still could be persuaded either way, but I think maybe we need to choose our RCT focuses judiciously, really, that if something is really novel and is a type of intervention that we don't have any really good reason to know is effective, then I would think we should try and do an RCT and we should try and do an RCT quickly. And the REACT study is a, a very interesting model of an efficient online RCT that's been done quite fast. On the other hand, if you're just digitising something that we already know is useful and effective, maybe like supported self-management, then maybe not every digitisation of a tool that we or you know of some kind of an intervention that we already knows work no works needs a full-scale, prolonged, randomised controlled trial to test it. I think we probably need to choose where we invest those resources relatively carefully.